Hey, welcome home to Cassidy. My name is Stephen Mitchell, and I am the lead pastor here at Cassidy, and it is a great joy to be here with you, to be a part of worship. Uh, Welcome to our online community. We're excited to have you with us. Uh, We are excited about all that God is doing. Hey, if you're new here, I just want to say welcome. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for taking some time to be a part of this community, uh, spending some part of your day to, to come and, and experience what God is doing here. Hopefully in us, you'll find a group of folks who are passionate about following God. We, we realize we're not perfect, but we know the one who is, and that's Jesus Christ. And, and so we're all striving to be more like, more like Christ in, in our lives and, and in our day-to-day uh, interactions. How, how is it that we can change the world, transform the world on behalf of Jesus Christ himself? And, and we'd like to invite you into that. Uh, join us in this community. Join us in this online uh, church and, and figure out how we can continue to follow Jesus. We've been talking uh, for the past three weeks about this sermon series, this worship series called Bumper Sticker Faith. We've been looking at um, how bumper stickers kind of impact us uh, every single day. We're out driving. We see somebody that's got a bumper sticker, and some of them can, can be funny. Some of them can be offensive, uh, intentionally so, and some of them are just downright hard to figure out. Uh, but what we wanted to do is we wanted to take a look at faith through the lens of bumper stickers. And we started off uh, by, by having Josh talk about how uh, this, this bumper sticker changed my life, said no one ever, and, and how he doesn't want to live his life in a way that, that doesn't have any impact on others. He says that uh, we needed to, to take an additional step. So bumper stickers broadcast a message. He wants us to take a step further and, and be relational, love people where they are and help them to grow in Jesus Christ. And, and then uh, two weeks ago, Pastor Suzanne brought a message about, uh, don't, don't <laughs> it was, um, uh, God is my co-pilot. And what we want to do is not be in the pilot seat. We want to let God be in the pilot seat. And so she walked us through that. And last week, last week we talked about how we are God's masterpiece. And, and it was, don't believe everything you think. And, and that's really where we started looking was, was, what does it look like if we take seriously who God says we are and, and what that should look like in our lives? And, and so this week, we're going to begin uh, with a, a, a new bumper sticker, and our new bumper sticker is this. I'm a good Christian. It says so on my bumper sticker. Uh, hopefully, you catch the tongue-in-cheek there. Uh, hopefully, that is not the, the extent of your Christianity. Your Christianity, hopefully, is not uh, just exhibited on your bumper sticker, and, and that's all the world gets to see. Uh, I, I about a year ago, I was in St. Louis. Uh, I used to live there. For those of you that don't know, I lived there for a, a long time. And while I was in St. Louis, um, there was this radio station. It was called Joy FM. And Joy FM kind of had this cult following. Uh, it was a, a radio, it's a Christian radio station, but it, it had a, a group of hardcore followers. And uh, they took seriously the idea that they wanted to get the message out. This guy uh, I, I don't know how many bumper stickers are there, but it's a lot of bumper stickers. And uh, there's so many bumper stickers on this car. And, and what happened was people started to notice that people with this bumper sticker didn't drive 
like people who claim to follow Jesus, didn't obey the laws, didn't park well, didn't do all the things. And so they started a website uh, that was just about the atrocious driving and the atrocious uh, nature of the way people behaved that had Joy FM stickers on, uh, on their car. And so what uh, I, th- I think for me, that's one of the reasons why to this day, I still don't want to have a bumper sticker because I don't want to let my bad driving be something that causes somebody not to follow Jesus Christ because I do something dumb in the car. I don't want it to reflect poorly on Jesus. And so maybe you've had an experience where you have met somebody and you were like, you know, I never would have guessed that so-and-so was a Christian. Maybe you knew somebody through work and one day out of the blue, they start talking about uh, their kids going to church or something. And, and you would have been like, I would have never guessed. Maybe it was somebody with a bumper sticker on their car that said, I love Jesus or something. And, and they're driving like a maniac. And you're wondering if maybe somebody came and snuck the bumper sticker on there. And they have no idea about who Jesus is. I, I remember I went to a funeral and it was a funeral back before I was a pastor. I was just attending the funeral. It was a coworker of mine uh, who had passed away. And the funeral, during the funeral, the pastor was up and talking about how uh, that person had been uh, involved in the church. And when the funeral ended, we were walking out and I heard a guy ask another guy from, from our work, hey, did you even know that he went to church? And, and that struck me because what that, what that put in my head was that I don't want to die and have people not even know that I was a follower of Jesus outside of the church. I, I didn't want for my faith to be limited to what happens in the church. I wanted everybody to know about this Jesus Christ, and I wanted to share that in a, in a way that made a difference. Of, uh, it would impact their lives, not just through evangelism, not just through sharing what Jesus had done, but by living out what Jesus had already done to transform me and to share that love with others. That's what we're going to look at. Remember last week I talked about how we were God's masterpiece. The truth is we are God's masterpiece, but we're not a masterpiece that's designed to hang on the wall in a dusty museum. Friends, we are God's masterpiece that is sent out into the world to get dusty and dirty, to have our heart broken by those that we try to care for and love on. And this is, this is what we are called into. And, and we're going to look at um, had some scripture today. Uh, we're going to look at, at a book that may not be your go-to book. Uh, maybe it should be your go-to book. It's a great book. It's called The Book of James. Uh, and James, actually, if you translate the word for the author's name, Iacob, uh, we would say Jacob, but for some reason he gets James in the Bible. And maybe you've noticed that in the New Testament there is a whole bunch of Jameses. Well, this one uh, has a special honor. This one is James, the brother of Jesus. And when we, I mean, I, let's just take a minute and appreciate James, the brother of Jesus. Can you imagine growing up with Jesus as your brother? Uh, you know, I, I, had, I didn't have brothers or sisters when I was growing up, uh, but I had two kids and uh, I saw a sibling interaction. Can you imagine Mary looking at James and being like, you should be more like your brother, right? I mean, yeah, mom, you're right. I should be more like the son of God 
I, I don't know about you, but that, that runs through my mind, and I'm just like, that poor kid, man, he could never have lived up to, uh, to the, the, the shoes with which his brother had. And what's interesting about James is James isn't heard about in the New Testament until after the Gospels. He's not spoken of by name in the Gospels. He's, he's referred to afterwards in the book of Acts, but not until later in the church's life. And so what that means, friends, is that James was not a, a follower of Jesus. James didn't, didn't, maybe didn't believe in his brother, but definitely wasn't one of the disciples. It was only later in life that James came to faith. James had an encounter with the resurrected Christ, and he couldn't deny that once that occurred. And, and so James comes to faith and, and becomes a pillar in the Jerusalem church. So much so that when Peter was incarcerated and then had to flee from Jerusalem for his life, that James was appointed the bishop of the church in Jerusalem. James then is the one that's in charge of the, the church in Jerusalem. And it's not because of his status as Jesus' brother as much as his status as a follower of Jesus. Here's what I mean. They, changed his, they, they started calling him James the just, because he was all about equality and justice across the board. He wanted everyone to experience the love of Christ and the presence that God gives and the presence of the Holy Spirit in the way that God offered it, which is freely to everyone. He didn't want us to differentiate between who is rich and who is poor. He didn't want us to differentiate. He wanted us to all experience this. And he spent so much time in the temple on, in prayer that it, that it says in, in some of our, our church histories that, that his knees became uh, overgrown and knobbed like those of a camel. Ha imagine having a nickname like Old Camel Knees. Now, <laughs> I, I don't want that nickname, but James deserved every bit of it. He spent time in the temple courts praying every single day on his knees praying for forgiveness for the people, praying for forgiveness from sins, and praying for an experience with the resurrected Christ. This is, this is who James was. And so my hope is that as we look at what James says, we will start to see a way that we can be more like James and incorporate uh, this life of obedience to Christ in a new way so that at the end of the day, people aren't like, did you even know that they were Christian? At the end of the day, our overwhelming love and compassion would speak for itself. So we're going to take a look at James chapter 1, uh, and it's going to uh, be verses 22 through 25. It says this, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says, otherwise you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it. It's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you don't do what it says, and, and if you do what it says, and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. James is not 
uh, not pulling any punches. That's one of the things that we're going to start to notice. And for a guy known as James the Just and old camel knees and, uh, and has so many things, I, I, I didn't mention this, but also uh, was martyred. Um, for, for a guy like that, I think it's fine to, to not pull any punches. He has uh, a life well lived in Jesus Christ and is able to say, hey, I want to catch your attention with this. The whole book of James is kind of like a gut punch, if, if I'm honest with you. If you read the book of James, you can walk away feeling like, man, I'm, I'm not doing enough to follow Jesus. And so I want us to kind of have our mind open and our eyes and ears ready to hear and see what it is that James is telling us so that we can come to life in Jesus Christ in a way that James would recognize, in a way that Christ would recognize so that we can do what God is truly calling us to. Uh, James continues in chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, My dear brothers and sisters, how can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people over others? Favoritism is, is a big thing that he's hanging on to here. He doesn't want inequality. He wants everybody to be seen as, as worthy, as equal, because like we talked about last week, we're all God's masterpiece. He continues and says, for example, suppose someone comes into your meeting. Uh, by meeting, they're talking about comes into your church because they didn't have their own church buildings at the time, so they're just having meetings. Uh, and maybe you, you come from the day where you were just going to go to meeting, uh, and that was, that was what church was called. And that's, it's similar. It's a group of folks who are trying to follow Jesus. So he says this, for example, suppose someone comes into your meeting dressed in fancy clothes and expensive jewelry, and another comes in who is poor and dressed in dirty clothes. If you give special attention to the rich person, but you say to the poor one, you can go stand over there or else sit on the floor. Well, doesn't this discrimination show that your judgments are guided by evil motives? Yes, indeed, it is good when you obey the royal law as found in the scriptures. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you favor some people over others, you are committing a sin. You are guilty of breaking the law. Not pulling any punches. James doesn't hesitate to call us out. And, and I don't know about you, but when I hear James saying that, I, I, I just, I know that I fall short. I know that I still have work to do. I know that, that I still want to be more and more like Jesus because I, I don't want socioeconomics to, to be a, a factor in who I think is important in the eyes of Jesus. I don't want race to be a factor in who I think is important in Jesus. I don't want political views to be a factor in who I find important in Jesus. I don't want anything to separate me and my heart's desire for others to, to come between me and G, my, my love for others on behalf of Jesus. There's nothing that should separate us from that. There's no reason. There's no financial motivation. There's no racial motivation. There's no um, political motivation. Nothing should separate us from others. So when folks come in and you think to yourself, oh, they don't look 
like I expect them to, or they don't smell like I would expect them to, or they don't behave like I would expect them to. Friends, we need to take a step back. Because if we're showing favoritism, James calls us out on it and says, it's a sin. And we're falling short of the glory that God has given to us and God offers to everyone. And, and it, it's, not, it's not even something that we're aware of most of the time. But it's something that we need to focus on, that we need to, to stop and, and take notice of, that we need to lean in to those conversations and treat people that we see as other or they or them with dignity and respect, more so maybe even than those that we're comfortable with, because it will take effort on our part to allow Christ to change us from the inside out. James continues in chapter, 14, or chapter 2, verse 14. He says, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but you don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Mm, there's that gut punch. What good is it if you have faith, you say you have faith, but you don't show it? Suppose you see a brother or a sister who has no food or clothing, and you say goodbye and have a good day. Stay warm and eat well, but you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. It is dead and useless. Like I said, James not pulling any punches. He wants us to recognize what he's saying. He, he lived this out, friends. This isn't, uh, James isn't just saying things that he heard and trying to pass those along. He lived this out. He wanted everyone to experience the love of God. Now, he's in a place where everyone around them, most of the folks around him are, are not on his side. And yet, they recognized him as a righteous man. There's a guy uh, named Josephus who wrote histories, um, and he wasn't a Christian at all. He wasn't a Christ follower, but he wrote a history uh, in, in, for the Roman people of the Jewish faith. And, and James makes it into his history because James, the brother of Jesus, was a righteous man because he lived out the faith that he had. He lived it out by breaking down barriers just like Jesus did. He lived it out by making relationships with folks that were far from God, just like Jesus did. And he goes through his life trying to emulate his older brother. Now, for some, some of us, you see siblings trying to be like one another and they try to one-up one another. I don't think that's what was going on at all with James. I think James knew his brother's heart and was passionately pursuing what, what Jesus would have called him to in words and in deeds. Jesus, Jesus had such a profound impact on James after the resurrection that James became the bishop of the church and made a difference. Friends, I, and sometimes, you know, we look at the, the people that are in the Bible and we're like, yeah, well, they're in the Bible, right? I, I can't measure up to somebody in the Bible, uh, how can I do that? So, I, you know, we put them up on these really high pedestals. So I'm going to step down a little bit and use uh, a little bit more recent example. Uh, there's this guy named John Wesley. 
he's a superhero of mine. He started the Methodist movement. Uh, the United Methodist Church is, is part of who we are. It is our heritage. And so we, we, uh, we look at this, this huge movement that John Wesley had going through, um, through the world in the 1700s. And what happened in the 1700s is John came to realize a couple of things. So in the 1700s, in case you're not familiar, um, there was this big movement on pietism, on personal holiness, that you need to be as holy as you can be, that you need to, to sit there and, and ponder your sinfulness and, and purge that so that you can be more righteous in the eyes of God. And Wesley looked at the book of James and said, James, and, and this is one of the criticisms that James gets a lot, is it seems to be more works-oriented, that you have to do all these things. Um, and, and so what Wesley said is, you don't need one or the other. You don't need just personal holiness, and you don't need just social justice. You need, uh, you need some tension between the two. You need to put some, some effort into both of them so that your personal holiness can be impacted by social justice and that your social justice can be impacted by your personal holiness. And they live this out in a unique way. I don't know if you know much about it or not, but I'm going to go with one of my favorite examples. Uh, have you ever heard of Sunday school? Yeah. I don't know if you know this, but the Methodists started Sunday school. Yep, that's us. Uh, we're, we're <laughs> it, but it's not what you think. It's not teaching people about the Bible. See, Sunday school was started by the Methodists because the majority of people were illiterate. They couldn't read. And so what Wesley wanted to do is he said, I want them to have an a chance to experience the Word of God on their own that they don't need somebody to read it to them, that instead they can read it themselves. And so Wesley started schools for educating people, teaching them how to read and write so that they could understand what God was teaching them, but also so that they had some practical skills in reading and writing. And this later developed into Sunday school because people started having more education on the, on the bottom side and, and needed more understanding of faith and, and God. But that's how it started. I just love that story because it paints a picture for us that we, we sometimes forget. That God calls us into a relationship to make a difference. And, and, and we need to go and do that. We need to not just look at faith as a, you know, yes, I have faith, but I have faith, so I'm going to go and do. Now, we also look at the, the people in the Bible, and we're like, man, those people took massive leaps of faith. And, and maybe you're out there, and you're thinking, I, I just can't take that big a step of faith on my own. And I wanted to encourage you and say, hey, first, God doesn't call us to take giant leaps of faith. God calls us to take baby steps. We, we, we learn that we can rely on God and we take a little step forward. We learn that God is calling us into action. We take a little step forward. Each and every step we take in the direction of Jesus grows us personally and sends us into the world on his behalf. And, and maybe you're sitting out there and you're like, all that sounds good, but what, you know, do I have any help in that? And so I wanted to, I wanted to point this out. Uh, God gives us two gifts, two great gifts that make a huge difference 
in our lives. The first, maybe you've heard of this before, is the Holy Spirit. God pours His Holy Spirit into us so that we can come alive in Jesus Christ. It's that identity we talked about last week, but it's also developing that identity so that we can go and do and be the people of God. And that's the second gift that he gives us, and that is the gift of the church, the gift of a community of faith, people who are faithfully pursuing the love and grace of Jesus Christ in their own lives so that they can apply it into the world so that they can be held accountable by one another, so that they can grow in relationship with one another, so that they can walk together forward into faith and transform the world on behalf of Jesus Christ. Friends, my hope is that we as a community of faith can be a group of people that take seriously this call that Jesus has placed on our lives, that we can take seriously what James is telling us, that we need to live out our faith. I don't want any of us to, to misunderstand faith. In order to have salvation, we don't have to do anything. Jesus makes that a free offer. But to live fully in God's grace, what would that look like? What would it look like to embrace what God is saying through James in this? I, I don't know about you, but I have this imagination, and if everybody that claims Jesus Christ would faithfully pursue God the way that James did, the world would be a much different place, wouldn't it? Let's go to God in prayer. Gracious and almighty God, thank you for Jesus Christ. Thank you for the gift you give us of the church and your Holy Spirit. Thank you for the life that you call us into. God, help us not to forget that we are not some masterpiece that's dusty on the wall, looked at at a distance. Instead, we are called to be your hands and your feet. We're called to love others the way that you have first loved us. We're called to make a difference in this world. Help us to, to not hold to, uh, to inequality. God, rid us of that. Remove that from our, our mind. Help us to see all people as your precious children so that we can make a difference in the world on their behalf. Help us to hold that tension between our own personal holiness and the change that you are calling us to bring about in the world. Help us to, to follow faithfully Jesus Christ in everything we do. Friends, if, if there is somebody that is listening today that hasn't taken that step. Maybe you got invited to come to church and, and you're kind of on the borderline, on the fence between if God is, is even real. I, I just pray, Father, that you would be with them, that you would help them to take a step across that line of faith, that you would help them to recognize the gift that you are offering to them, salvation in the name of Jesus Christ. Help them to take that step. And, and if this is you, friend, I, I, I would just pray that you would pray with me. Father, forgive me. I want to be more like Jesus. Help me to follow you. And, and know that the angels are rejoicing. Friends, let's be more like Jesus in everything we do and everything we say. And all of us agreed and said, amen.